anything can work out or not work out. So ask yourself, with anything, what's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen? And given the answer to these questions that I've invited you to explore, what's the most likely thing to happen? Overlay those and ask yourself, are you able to deal with all three of those outcomes? Welcome to the Beyond Success Podcast, a collection of conversations with the best business minds, captains of industry, and entrepreneurs in the world. Learn what their journey has taught them, how they applied the lessons they learned, and ultimately created six, seven, and even eight-figure businesses. We can't create successful businesses by ourselves, so sit back and let the Beyond Success Podcast be your mentor. Now, here's your host, author, entrepreneur, public speaker, and master money manifester, Daniel Mangana. Apart from determination and a lot of late nights, what would you say it takes to be a millionaire? I would say it doesn't actually necessarily take a lot of late nights, um, unless you're in your most flow when you're working at night. Unless you're in the most flow when you're working at night. I'd say determination, yes, because anything that's outside of your current existence, anything that's outside of your current experience is going to require you doing things that you've not done before. And if you're doing things you've not done before, then it's going to require determination to overcome your existing behaviors, your existing thought patterns, your existing mindset, your existing emotional state, your ongoing addictions, which is going to require determination. It's going to require a level of leverage over yourself that's bigger than those stuck states, bigger than those excuses that will come up. So determination, yes. Late nights, not necessarily. Like I said, um, it's going to take you being in flow. 100% it's going to take you being in flow. But being in flow isn't about what the dictionary, dictionary definition of late nights is. It's about of, of what flow is, is about your unique relationship to flow. So do you know yourself enough to know when you're in flow? And are you ready to reject society telling you what it's supposed to look like for you to be in flow? So if late night is what it is and the world's saying you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning, fudge them, do what works for you. But know yourself enough to know what the answers to those questions are. I personally oscillate between early mornings and late nights. We've got a small baby, he's 10 months. You probably hear him screaming in the in the background. He's just learned that he can run around in his walker. And so he's excitedly screaming when he's running around the house in his walker, right? So I don't always have uh, like a set fixed sleeping pattern like I'm used to. I used to be great with early mornings. Uh, there was a period in my life about a year and a half, maybe two years. I got up at 3.30 every single morning. I do my meditation, I do my breath work, I do my visualization, I do some work, I do my reading and so on and so forth. That's not flow for me right now. It's not flow for me right now to be up at that time every single day. And so I go with the natural groove of what's working for me right now. And I put all of my energy into focusing my productivity to income generating tasks, to tasks that are moving me towards my goal in time of the day when I'm in the most flow. If there's a day when I don't really feel up to it, then I just adjust what I'm set to do for that day to make sure that I'm doing tasks that are in flow with where I'm at emotionally and mentally and physically. So flow isn't like, it's a fixed thing. It's honoring where you're at now, honoring what you're moving towards and finding the space that dances with more flow between those two points.
where to look for some wise words of guidance on money. So this is a, a bit of a tricky one, uh, dope, because people have got words that might make you feel good, but they don't necessarily lead you in the right direction. And the right direction is the right direction for you. So for example, how I teach and how I share isn't for everybody. It's not gonna work for everyone. What I teach isn't gonna give everybody the outcome of wealth and abundance. It's not, because I'm not gonna be in line with them. So I would say the key to getting wise words of guidance on money is understanding who speaks a language that works for you. Who inspires you? Who speaks to your money DNA? Who speaks to the way that you create most optimally? That is going to be key. And then once you've identified people that speak your language, check their track record. Are they real? There are a lot of people on the internet now talking a lot of stuff that haven't ever built anything. They haven't built anything. They haven't got any evidence to back the stories that they're telling. So first of all, identify who speaks my language, who inspires me, who gets me motivated, who speaks clearly that I can understand and connect with and resonate with and then check their credentials. What have they created? What have they done? What are they creating? Who have they supported? What are the results of people who listen to their advice? Follow those principles and I think you'll be a lot, get a lot of success in finding um, wise words and guidance on money. Can meditation help me achieve financial abundance? Can meditation help me achieve financial abundance? So I'm gonna tell you all um, a secret. I'm actually working on a proposal for a PhD at the moment, which is fascinating because I didn't even finish my bachelor's degree, but apparently there's a way that you can backdoor in and actually go and get a, get a PhD. So I'm actually putting in a proposal and I'm actually exploring this question in my PhD proposal, looking at the relationship between Meditation, mindfulness, spiritual practices, and the financial abundance. I met with my uh, my professor this morning. We're working out um, the details of it. Um, so I'm going to say this, Charmaine, not to have any spoilers, because I'm going to do some research on this. I'm actually going to be measuring this. But here's the thing. Meditation can help, but it cannot do everything. Meditation can help, but it cannot do everything. Meditation alone may have the ability to manifest abundance temporarily, but it will not be able to stay purely on just meditation. There is science to back this, and I'm doing a specific research, research study on this as well. However, it requires something more, and I'll tell you for why. And I'll give you, I'll give you a simple analogy, a simple example that's commonly known. And these numbers that I'm about to quote are important because you're going to hear something. 90% of all lottery winners go back to exactly where they were within 90 days, within five years. Okay. So 10% are able to hold it, but 90% of them lose it within five years. The reason being, the reason being that although they were able to express something temporarily, to manifest something temporarily, 90% of people will not have an automatic translation into the neurological pathways and the habits and behaviors that will follow from that that will lead to financial abundance being achieved 
and staying. So meditation has some great, great benefits. It can change the wiring of your brain. Dr. Joe Dispenza has done the research on that. Okay. It can change your emotional state. It changes your energy levels. Yes. But money, although it has an energetic aspect, is not a purely energetic thing. It's a physical thing. So therefore, there has to be movement through time and space to meet a physical thing in a physical way in order for you to have that physical thing in your physical life. Again, 10% of lottery winners were able to keep it, but 90% of them lose it. And I would hazard a guess that if we went deeper and looked at the details, the the stories of that 10% of people, they probably did a lot more than just play the lottery. They probably went in and did something to change the way that they were showing up. Maybe they got the right support. Maybe they got the right guidance, the right money managers, the right emotional support. Because 90% of people go back to exactly where they were. So meditation can do a lot of the heavy lifting. It really, really can. But unless you do something in physical reality, then how are you going to expect to either receive or hold something physical? There must be movement through time and space. Even if you meditate about winning the lottery, you still have to move through time and space to go and buy the lottery ticket. Even if you manage to manifest somebody else buying the lottery ticket for you, you still need to collect the check. Even if they make a direct deposit in your bank account, that bank account is not a a spiritual thing, it's a physical thing, and you'll need to move through time and space to log in to enjoy the money. Financial abundance isn't something that you're going to enjoy in your meditation, it's something you're going to enjoy in your life. So even the expression and use of it is going to happen in three-dimensional reality. So let's meditate, yes, but move on and take care of anchoring in the new neurological past, which is new thoughts, new new environment, and then taking different actions, having different behaviors to maintain it. So meditation can help, but it can't do everything. If you could download a skill like an app, what would it be? If I could download a skill like an app, what would it be? Being in my heart more, being in my heart more. And I'm, I'm gonna say why I say this, because the heart is such a powerful, powerful tool. And I think we really underestimate how powerful it is. Uh, there's an institution called HeartMath, an, an organization called HeartMath, that have done a lot of scientific research into just how powerful it is. Did you guys know that the magnetic field in the heart is actually 10 times bigger than the brain? The heart is 10 times more matic- magnetically powerful than the brain. The intelligence that exists in the heart is much more powerful than the mind. So if you can be in this more and have a conscious relationship with it and deploy that power, your ability to be more resilient, your ability to hold emotional states, your ability to direct your emotional state will be much more powerful. Why do I say direct emotional state? Simply this, I believe, and again, I like to say I believe because it's my truth, it may not be yours, but it's something that you can sign up to, is that reality wraps around how you feel. The reason why I say that is because your emotional state dictates the level to which you can think. Scientists have actually demonstrated this. You can only think thoughts and have mental processes to the level of your current emotional state. So if you can direct where your heart is, direct your emotional state, you can direct your thinking. That includes your unconscious thinking where we're operating out of 97% of the time for most of us. If our unconscious mind is following on from something we've consciously chosen 
in the heart, then our habits and behaviours are going to follow too. So if I'm setting up myself for success in terms of having an emotional state that leads to particular thoughts, conscious and unconscious, that leads to particular behaviours, then I can create a life I love. However, more than all of this, if I'm in my heart more, the goals I'm going for aren't going to be driven by the ego. They're going to be given, driven by what the divine, what God wants actually to express through me. So that's what I'd love to download as a skill mark. And when you make that app, because you're a gangster, then definitely um, let me get a, a beta test of it. All right. Thank you for the question. What should be my money philosophy? What should be my money philosophy? Thank you for your question, Alicia. So I don't believe in the cookie cutter approach to money, wealth, abundance. The reason why I don't believe in the cookie cutter approach is because having been in this world for about 20, 21 years of personal development, I haven't seen anybody that has a catch all, always work, never fail money philosophy. I haven't seen it. I've seen people that have um, got stuff that works a lot of the time and works for a lot of people, but I've not seen anything that just universally, ubiquitously works for everyone in all situations. And so when I get asked, you know, what should my money philosophy be? Um, what should my strategy be for money? How should I approach money or wealth? I always say the first thing to do is to get to know yourself and where you have the most flow with money as an individual. So instead of trying to find a strategy that's already out there or instead of trying to find like a, a boat to jump on, create your own lane, make your own lane, create your own space, your own scope for money. So you don't have to start from scratch with this either. We've actually got a teaching, a principle that we've got called money DNA. We're working on a diagnostic tool for this at the moment, um, which will mean that you can answer a few questions and get your money DNA mapped out for you. But what money DNA does is a couple of things. And this goes a lot deeper. I'm just going to give you like a, an overview, Alicia, so you've got something to work on. You want to look at where in your history have you had the most flow with money. What I mean is, when has money come to you with the least resistance? What situations? What was your emotional state in those times? Um, look at also where you find resistance to money. Where does money find resistance coming to your life? And make note of those too. Look at where you have the most fun with money. And you can start to cross these things over, right? And start to get clarity on what your money philosophy should be. So with Money DNA, we've got a particular series of questions. We look at your path, we look at your uh, relationship to, we look at your optimal strategies, we look at your human design, your gene keys, your wealth dynamics profile, even your erotic blueprint and map these things all together. And again, we're gonna have that diagnostic tool ready for you soon. But in the meantime, what I'd love to see you do, Alyssa, is ask yourself these questions. Where do you have the most flow? Where do things happen with the most ease? Where is there the least resistance with you and money, and that is where you will find the 
the breadcrumbs to follow that's going to lead to you to what your money philosophy should be. So don't look for someone else to tell you what it should be. Allow people to guide you on how to leverage the answers to those questions that you're going to find. And that's when you're going to find that money works for you. Okay, thank you so much for your question. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Beyond Success Podcast. We hope that it has been of service to you. For more information and to stay up to date with the latest from Daniel Mangena, please head over to dreamwithdan.com. We'll see you for the next one.